Cosmic Pleasure Podcast. I'm your host, Amy D. Thompson from amydintuitive.com. I'm an intuitive mentor, tantrika, energy healer, writer focused on topics of body, mind, soul, and sex. In this podcast, we discuss topics on discovering, developing, and embodying our limitless pleasure potential in this lifetime. We cover topics of sexual empowerment, spiritual development, energy medicine, mindfulness, and holistic health and wellness. This podcast is for the modern day human looking to open their heart and mind to the limitless potential of pleasure in life, love, and of course, sex. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Cosmic Pleasure Podcast today, babes. Today on the podcast, we have my gorgeous friend, Hannah Wallace, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you because Han has been one of my good friends since the very start of my spiritual journey. We met at a Rebecca Campbell event in 2016, I believe it was, and yeah, it was definitely like our eyes met across the room and I knew we were going to be friends. It was that soul soul-centered just in a knowing connection and yeah we've been friends ever since I think we've spoken pretty much every week since then um, via messenger or skype and we've actually only ever met once in person but she would definitely be one of my best friends Um, I adore her and yeah I'm so grateful for her to come on the podcast today Hannah Wallace is a speaker priestess, mentor, healer, disabled model, and advocate and writer. She's the host of the podcast Finding Grace, where she interviews people on their journey to finding grace. Hannah helps guide people to find grace in their lives, whatever space they are in. Helping people understand their rhythms and cycles to help empower and shift them to make positive healing and sustainable and prescriptive changes within their lives and help them integrate their darkness and light. I love Hannah, and I love this episode, and I hope you do too. Big love, Buttes. Hello, beautifuls, and welcome back to the Cosmic Pleasure Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have my beautiful friend, Hannah Wallace. She's my best girl, actually. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Hannah. Oh, it's my pleasure, Aime. I'm so proud of you for doing this. And like, yeah, like that you're like bringing your message to the world and like what we've talked about for years together. Like, I love yes. it. Yeah, so Hannah and I connected, I don't even know how many years it is now, probably like seven years ago, eight years. 2017. Oh, good on you, Han. Yeah, so 2017, we connected and we connected at a Rebecca Campbell event, actually. And Hannah was one of those experiences where if if you've done the spiritual work for a while, I'm sure many of you have experienced it, but it was like I locked eyes with Hannah across the room and I just instantly knew like she's like 
my soul person she is like a soul person of my lifetime and um yeah so then we paired up at one of one of the activities and it was kind of destiny from there actually no we had a little break didn't we after yeah after connecting we didn't talk for a while and then we reconnected when I was living in Melbourne um over we did connect we connected a little bit I think we had like little mini chats <laughs> Because when I remember you talking about your Christmas after, because you went back. Ah, that's right. Yeah. We were, mes- we were messaging, but it was our first kind of um, FaceTime when I was living in Melbourne. And we we realised, oh, my God, we both love talking about sexuality. And um, we were soul sisters from there. <laughs> and we both yeah. had gone through, we had both recently gone through separations with um, douchebag ex-boyfriends. And um, we were navigating the wounds of those relationships together. So it's so beautiful to see our journey. And now you're doing amazing things with a podcast called Finding Grace. And um, you're writing a book and you've been speaking at spiritual events and inspiring lots of people. And, oh, you write a blog too, right? On your website. I do. I love it. Yeah. It was actually, you know, thinking back, it was actually the end of 2016, thinking back. And then, it, yeah, moved on. Oh, so yes. It was. It was. It was that, yeah. So, mm, yeah, that, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? How we just... It was, I can't even remember how we ended up talking about sexuality, actually, because I think we, it was really early on, just in conversation. I think it was about the ex-boyfriend thing. That's what yeah. led to it. And, and then we yeah, were- I think like maybe I was curious as well, because um, so Hannah's actually, she's maybe we'll, inter- well, we've jumped forward. We might just enter introduce you and then we'll talk a little bit more about it. But I, I know because Hannah's in a wheelchair, I was curious about, your sexual sexual um not orientation but your sexual activities because I knew that I was possibly going to talk about sexuality in the future and I think maybe we talked about ex-boyfriends and then it kind of developed from there about how sexually empowered you are and how amazing it is so um I might just get you to introduce yourself Han and just tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got on the path of soul work and things like that well so when I was around so it's kind of like I always say this when people ask me this question especially if I'm in more spiritual or well in this time of spiritual sexual zone um so I know I was always a little bit you know alternative creative and then around the age of 12 I decided I was going to be a yogi I was kind of into tantra this is like so random because my family weren't in like meditation so I just jumped on that path and was always known as the weird one and was always mixing up aromatherapy oils and giving people massages like very experimental very Mm -hmm. fluid but so I had this kind of that tantric side I thought I was like into all of that you know Um, but also the spiritual stuff angels so had this little background and then around the age of 17 I became very very sick and it was like overnight life-changing situation Mm. you know one day being kind of okay to basically becoming bed bound for months on end like basically yourself entirely and yeah that that obviously that kind of drastic life change left me depleted of everything like I lost who I was I I felt at the time that I'd lost fully 
who I was um mm. but the seed of their spirituality and the alternative at the time was my saving grace because doctors didn't really know what was wrong yeah and I mean they knew that I'd had very severe glandular fever but they just were like oh we think you've got post-viral fatigue we think you've got ME or fibromyalgia they just they didn't really know yeah so went down the alternative rabbit hole that it was already in me so it wasn't like anyone had to kind of convince me um, yeah and then started reading the books back in the day when it was like there was no online stuff it was like I was you know having to source those books mm. and it was interesting because even that so I was doing the healing but I obviously always had that kind of sexual interest side as well so mm. that was always like a really big integral part when I started to kind of get a bit better of like getting back on my um kind of more fluid side of myself there yeah uh, but led me to 10 years of not really knowing what was wrong with me so it's like yeah. this two journey of this horrible kind of dark healing side of what I was going through and which it you know eventually led me to using a wheelchair I mean luckily it's like we've talked about and like obviously I've got friends who are literally paralyzed and Amy's mm. as well like luckily for me I can kind of move a little bit yeah and walk about a little tiny bit like which I'm very grateful for but obviously it's very limited and my life in terms of like you know the regular is is a lot more limited um than, than a normal person and um, so I've had to learn to adapt um mm, and learn to rest day we talk about that a lot and surrendering yeah. that you can't physically push like you know um it, someone it, with it, a fully it, functioning body might yeah no, it, it it just doesn't doesn't work and I think no. as well the thing that's been really important for me that kind of sexual side of me I've always tried to divide the aspects of me apart so that I didn't become the illness. Because mm-hmm. for me, like, I obviously, as soon as I went down the alternative side, the, the spiritual stuff was getting deeper and the awakening and all of that. So I embraced it as, you know, really, I, I, make, I defined myself by that rather than what was the other stuff that was happening. It was just kind mm. of happening. I obviously was like but that's not how I define myself and I think you probably knowing that having met me you wouldn't it doesn't kind of come across like I define myself um in in that way so um um so yeah so it was basically me having to separate these two parts but you know it was very I think there was, you know, I look back and, you know, the more I've developed and grown and when I understood trauma and the nervous system, there was, in a way, the the other sides of spiritual, the kind of spiritual sexual side and the tantric side. I'm really grateful for that because in a way it gave me an escape from what was mm. going on with me at the same time. So there was times when I really had to honor what was going on for me and just really sit with that and it didn't matter how spiritual you can be with that sometimes you can't be spiritual about it mm-hmm. and there were other times where I needed that escape and those tools really supported me and I think it's really you know as we joke I have this podcast called Finding Grace it really has been a journey of finding grace me having to navigate the 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 kind of all of those things together, the mind, the body, and the soul, because I think there was definitely times on my journey where I bypassed and bypassed myself, which I think we've all been there. Yeah. And there's been times on my journey where I 
definitely tried to ignore things or I thought I could over spiritualize things Um, and there was definitely that side of the journey and I know we'll go into this on a deeper level just like that kind of more over fluid sexual side there's I think there's so much subconscious like stuff I had to unpack around that as well because I was just always this wild person Mm. it's almost like finding the balance isn't it when it comes to being sexually fluid (laughs) we're both in there that's why we connected right yeah and I think as well it was like this experience that I was having of well you know this swelling because Mm. it's most people aren't like us like my friends regular and normal and when I say (laughs) not that we're not normal and I'm not even talking about spiritual here like I'm talking about the other side here um Mm -hmm. because I think it's like seen as taboo and there's like so much messaging and and like the thing is over the years like you and I probably with your friends like you know we both love the program sex education like I've been a Mm. sex therapist to so many friends over the years Absolutely, like, like I, we're like the safe keepers of people's sexy secrets, you know, <laughs> like that's what we are. <laughs> we really are, and I think it's like so interesting, like living in this world. And it was interesting for me going through the experiences that I've been through with health, disability, because there is no, there. It's almost like sex becomes devoid, and mm. and it's almost like people are uncomfortable with anything like that being part of anybody who's going through anything it is it's really bizarre like when I start to unpack it and look at the world we live in with all of these things it's like Mm. it's like pushed away to the to to the side so I think for me there was often the side to me that I didn't always like people that knew me knew stuff but if I was how I present myself in the world um like you wouldn't necessarily know all those sides I mean unless it's brought up in conversation or you know me no. and um, it was only because we were having those conversations and because we were connecting on a deeper level as friends that it did come out right like I guess like I mean you're glam as fuck like when I first met you like Hannah rocks up to this um Rebecca Campbell event in a um in a wheelchair with a bloody like fur coat on I'm like who is this glam queen you know like (laughs) so like for sure you're glamorous but and you're very classy and so I think like I guess there's two stigmas in this isn't there like there's the wheelchair aspect of it and then it's people judging how we look in general like like this woman's so classy she must not be sexual you know like that kind of stigma about and it's helping people to understand that we need to break away from all of these stigmas like the idea that people in wheelchairs aren't sexual sexual or people with special needs aren't sexual for example but also not judging people on how they look or their age or anything like that and how that affects how sexual we are how yeah. has that affect, affected you in your journey stepping away from the stigma oh my god I mean, there's so much stigma I mean I think it's like I look at it as gamers it's two signals like we've got the society like take away whether you're in a wheelchair or not as you and yeah. I both know if you're a if you're a little bit seen too sexual you're seen as a whore or a slut blah blah, yeah, blah. we know yeah. of that or like you're seen as or as my mum would say oh she you know like maybe someone's seen as racy that's not yeah <laughs> I love that racy yeah racy but I'm so like, racy 
racy. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. But I think there's this idea. So if you're like that anyway, but then mm. about with disability and stigma, I think that instantly people, while they talk about it, you know, you look into the world of disability, is mm. everybody's desexualized in, mm. in every possible way. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that can be like, I guess for someone like you and I can be quite heartbreaking, right? Yeah. Um, when you kind of like associate, I guess maybe so. The only it, like snippet of it that I felt is when I felt pregnant. But I imagine on your scale, it's been like a huge, a huge transition. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe it didn't hit me quite as hard because I think I was so defined in that. Yes. Role. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And again, I like- it, it sounds like it almost liberated you to kind of have that spiritual side and that sexual side to focus on as you navigated your illness coming up yeah and I think that was the thing because so because I I didn't define myself Mm. obviously um, you know and I definitely had to actually there was a time when I really had to own that label of disability as well because I think what I was doing at one point was I really struggled to embody that and I think it was really important for me to recognize that in order for me to make sure that I was really reckon like almost like not bypassing myself and embodying that and then you kind of release the pain and the trauma around things as Mm -hmm. well so it's been a very much I think it's integration and I feel like this is a huge word for us all in every way in every aspect of our life we have to sometimes go through periods of integration so it's it was it was really unpacking things around stuff so me you know of course you're going to get comments uh, you know mm. people ask those questions can you have sex or yeah you know I think people are really surprised when somebody comes across in a certain way they they go oh, I didn't expect that but also well, people, the- people are quite awkward as well aren't they with topics of like around disabilities and sex and sadness and death and you know people are awkward absolutely and also I think people are awkward around the fact of that um for 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 so many people depending on what their physical disability is or you know whatever the kind of uh, you know whatever that disability is um people get scared by different and I laugh Mm. at this really I'm sure you will too because the bottom line of it is like if we look at let's say regular you know just regular people like Mm. much of the time anyway like you speak to loads of women they've had absolutely rubbish experiences anyway Mm -hmm. yeah and then you've got people worrying about these um you know like how difficult it might be with disability well you know you've had probably exactly it's like yes um I guess like the physical aspects of sexuality might be different but I'm it's hard for like the fully functioning human sometimes to have sex in a healthy way. We still have vagina problems. We still have like, not just vagina problems, but body problems, health issues, like my bloody wound in Melbourne that we talk about sometimes, you know, we all have like 
different things like because I struggle with a condition called HS and I got this huge cyst um, on my bikini line in Melbourne and Han was like my main person through, through this episode but like you know like I'm not considered special needs but that put a huge damper on my sex life you know like and I'm in a fully functioning human body that's not in a wheelchair so it's just recognizing that we all have struggles so stop stigmatizing yeah um special needs you know like because around especially around sexuality because it just shouldn't be a thing but unfortunately it is it is and also I just think like take I guess what it is it's it's fear it's fear the biggest if we look at if you start speaking to people about where all of their stuff comes from with this Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter is and you start to unpack that most of the time it's those pre-programmed things or the fear or what we think we should know or what we think we should do or how we think things should be mm. and so it's a, a lack of education I'd say too right absolutely and also I think it comes to a lack of communication because the bottom line of it is you know I think as well recognizing that everybody is different yeah and so some people are more sexual than others and mm-hmm. it, it I, I say this like you know if somebody's like I've had people come to me and be like I think there's something wrong with me I'm not like mm. I'm not don't feel like I'm very sexual that that's that there's no problem like yeah. Yeah, maybe there are some things you want to unpack around that for, for for whatever reason but I think there's this idea that everybody needs to be like a porno yeah and also like recognizing the cycles of our life and and yeah. that, like you know that like I've had phases of my life where I'm super sexual and yeah. super liberal with my sexuality and then phases like right now where I'm kind of in a sexual hibernation you know like I've yeah. just gone through some stuff so I'm hibernating sexually <laughs> you know like and I also teach people about sex so there's a stigma that I should be like having all of the sex all of the time so there's like so many sexual stigmas to navigate so it's recognizing this so much and also like people I think when you go back to that stigma question with the disability just like people finding their own rhythm and really asking mm-hmm. them about who they are what they want without those okay say you've got an idea about who you think you are around that okay mm-hmm. where did I get that idea from yeah where do those things come from and also like I guess you've got to add into that with as we've discussed on the other thing we've got trauma and shame and mm. people having negative sexual experiences, which mm. I think I've been discussing with with people recently. This idea of consent, and mm. I, you know, statistically, I think there is a lot of sexual trauma that isn't spoken around disability because there is some, you know, shady experiences that people have ha- unfortunately have happened around that. Mm. So that in itself is such a taboo topic that isn't talked about. But on a on a bigger scale I think there's a whole big question around like consent and it boils down to communication about you know when people like have had certain experiences or and I think most pretty much most women who are fairly sexually active or have more than a few partners probably have experienced that in some way and I think when we look at how we're feeling about that and stuff that's going on I think these kind of experiences have an impact on people and I I'm you and I are both fair enough to say we know negative stuff can happen to men as well like there's Absolutely. no 
there's no decrying around that but I'm just kind of at this particular conversation yeah and there's and it's still stronger for women you know it's still something that more what men still deal with it but women deal with it on a lot larger scale Um, and it's recognizing I think like that trauma sexual trauma can come from experiences that don't necessarily look very traumatizing from the outside absolutely and also like these ideas like I was discussing with someone the other day when someone has said like maybe someone feels they've led someone on then they decide Mm. they don't go any further but people generally follow through because they feel like they or they may have been told they're a sex tease or yeah or they feel say no or maybe they are saying no I don't want this but they feel they still have to follow through and there's there's so many things around this and I think Mm. the more you can learn to know yourself and the more that you can learn to maybe have I think people need to be you know like I guess people see therapists or people see things but really people need to be having because it's seen as such an embarrassing thing for so many people to talk about Mm. as well I think people need to be having these conversations and and also recognize you're not always going to be sometimes you're going to maybe have amazing sex sometimes you're going to be having maybe not so good sex there's no I think it's removing the like labels around it and a really good friend of mine who's a kind of slash you know well we'll we'll call him a therapist for good good measure yeah um you know he has seen hundreds of women and you know it's about reconnecting them back to themselves and you know helping them unpack those stories and come back to their bodies and move those things through through their bodies and Mm. help them shift their shame and because it's stored it's stored in our bodies you know like I've experienced it firsthand with trauma like it's such a physical experience when you suppress it suppress it as well like it gets worse it really is I think there's a there's a shame like say you have an expectation around something and maybe you don't feel you've been your best in that like Mm. and then maybe someone has kind of implied that Mm. I think can have an impact on people as well and I've spoken to friends who've experienced that numerous times and I think it's there's a lot of big conversations to be having around you know and we have them because that's like the kind of conversations we have but I think we need to encourage each other to know that they can be having these conversations and I guess you know the the really sad thing about stigma and disability most people resource wise and nervous system wise are much of the time fighting systems within in order to get their basic human rights met that kind of sexuality and all of that stuff is so far down the the this is like what the real sadness is it and and also maybe there's so much worth issues around, well, I barely feel I deserve this or I'm, you know, I don't want people to be judging me there. So I think it often gets put really far down um, a list for people. And also I think people lose themselves so far away because they disconnect because, you know, they're giving away so many parts of themselves to systems. Maybe if they've got carers, PAs, like there's so much depersonalization and disconnection. So I think, especially from from the disability perspective, that 
um, it, it's people coming back to themselves and their bodies. But, you know, I look at this from that perspective, but then I look at, at people that even aren't in that situation. You become a mum. It's like the hardest thing in the world. Like for mums, they're like suddenly you've gone from being this singular person to being this mum where you've got multiple tabs open. And we've talked about this for you where mm. it's like, you're suddenly having to be all of the these people. And something that's popping up for me as you're talking about that is like the similarities and it's, it's not the same, we know that, but I guess we are all one. So it's looking at like, you know, as a mom, I can speak from that perspective is like, you know, I care for my son all day. And so like I, by the end of the day, sometimes I'm just touched out, you know, and I'm sure many moms can relate. And I can imagine that sometimes when you're being taken care of in a wheelchair or you've been touched or you get a bit touched out from people who aren't intimately touching you, you know, they're not touching you from a space of intimacy and wanting to connect with your soul or anything like that. You know, it's not like a loving um, sexual connection and it's almost like, I guess it's like still giving out that energy all the time, even though I'm trying to say even though it's not like you're being cared for you're still being almost supported by all these people and it becomes quite tiring I'd imagine and quite energetically draining Absolutely. which then takes a toll on your sexual self because it's like um you know how how do I give more when I've tried to be you know compassionate and kind to all these other people that have to care for me you know like how can I keep some of that for my intimate life like you know how do you navigate that a little bit yeah gorgeous and I mean even down to like some things like if people aren't even navigating things being sorted in their homes or mm. having, having even like you know a friend of mine relayed to me the other day that they were really struggling with this idea that their carer kind of needed to organize food and meals and they were just like it was almost like they were so overloaded mm. um themselves just even that simple act was just disconnecting them and making them feel even more stressed out when they knew so they were having to navigate this mm. I've had like other friends talking to me saying like you know like I feel so disconnected from myself I don't even know if there is a sexual part of me anymore you know like mm. so I think it's I well think like it's, you said so many people like you don't really have necessarily when you're being cared for and stuff like that and you're relying on support from somebody else it's it's very hard to have those that discernment with yourself to come home to yourself it's it's harder to carve out those spaces of time to just be with yourself completely because you're you are having to be people so it's trying to really navigate that isn't it yeah I mean and I think I look at the privilege that I've had I had this spiritual journey that I've been on a long long time ago mm -hmm. and I've been really lucky in the sense that those practices we know that I'm a fairly as you know that I'm a fairly like dead on committed person I like I'm at it every day I meet at the t you know like yeah. it's been like you know I've probably meditated near on or done I've I don't think there's really ever been a day that I haven't done spiritual practice for like because you're you're very you're a very devoted and disciplined person but for those who struggle with yeah. that it would yeah. be harder to connect which intimately most, wouldn't it which I think is most like and I look at that and I was talking to someone recently and I said it's quite interesting that I'm wired like that but then I look back because they say that our wiring in our brain on like neuroplasty is I look 
for me it always felt like my medicine like to mm. do that it would be like even if it's just me yeah whatever like sitting up in bed doing my kind of wind down practice in the morning or the evening for meditation like it was like a, a need but also growing up I was a musician mm. and I every morning and practice the piano at six o'clock every morning for an hour every single day and then I'd go wow. and do my little yoga practice and I did that every day for like 10 years babe like so when you, as, if you're listening to this and you're not as disciplined as Han like be gentle on yourself which is which has <laughs> been programmed in you that, that is no I mean that is not normal mm-hmm. I even I know but but it is something that obviously you're here to teach because it's really supportive um in your life and it's not to say that you have to be as disciplined as hand but yeah. it's recognizing that if you can find the the motivation to stay devoted to your your own spiritual practice because we're talking about spirituality and then your own sexual practices it will yeah. will benefit you you know I guess that's a message that can come out of it yeah, and I mean, and I look at that, I mean, that was not even, I mean, most people obviously assume my parents must have forced me to do that. Absolutely not. My parents had to listen to piano at six o'clock every morning. So, <laughs> you know, it was just something that obviously was wired. But, and also you think about the the fact that I wired that in the neuroplasty of my brain, that level of discipline for years. Like, mm. there's going to be, my my brain is going to be having that kind of neuroplasty remembrance but I think also the biggest thing that the humbling experience that I learned from that was obviously then I was met with a body that could no longer function and be as like going for it because I did everything I was not only doing that I was like growing as I got older it was having a social life doing other things as well it was insane Mm. And you were into life you were into it I was into life heavily. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously then I had all that stripped away from me but what I had left was this basis of of knowing that if you kind of you you what, what spirituality was so it was even it's even the really small thing so you know definitely don't go away and like think you need to do like crazy crazy shit because me and Amy would say no no way and even I you know it's been the greatest learning experience of my life the the humility I've had to face of like also the kind of having to meet that you did all of that and then it was kind of taken away from you yeah Um, that was that in itself as anybody listening could imagine it was a fairly humbling brought to your knees experience yeah um, but uh, you know it's doing it's showing up even just like two minutes or like taking a few where your resources lie the biggest thing here is understanding your nervous system and your body and asking if something feels good in your body if it feels safe and the more we start to understand and connect and learn to that then we can find the things that are going to work so let's say amy's having a busy day of her baby she's trying to connect to herself that could be literally a few minutes that she can just she, she the resource levels like low bitches it's like there ain't a lot there it's coming back to intentional with your time right intentional with your energy and then really devoting to what you're wanting to achieve like I guess it's you know even when it well it's probably especially and more so if you are suffering with special needs disabilities in a wheelchair and trying to navigate a sexual life if you want that for yourself it's kind of getting really clear on what you want your sex life to look like 
how you want to feel in your sex life. So then you can devote to the practices that are going to gently lead you there in time because it's not, it doesn't need to be an intrusive thing. You know, you don't have to have all the sex. But yeah, if you can. want to have the sex, this is, you know, a way to navigate it. Yeah. It's and through it, devotion. Yeah. And does it feel safe? And where does your safety lie in this? And if we can begin to ask ourselves that question, mm. and and even if it's, you know, understanding your body what does pleasure mean like the big the Mm. bigger here is is pleasure right yeah because we have this real fucked up relationship with pleasure in our lives Mm -hmm. of um what is what does pleasure mean to people and and I think you and I would both agree with this like it is messed up because we're kind of we live in a world where we are access to everything like Mm. pretty you know you can go down many, many rabbit holes, but then there's also this like, oh, well, you shouldn't be doing this or you need it to look like this. Then people are like, there's all these outside messages, like we're sold all the pleasure so people can get lost in all the porn, all the yeah, all the stuff that people might want to go down. All the, all like- the external sources of pleasure when really the true essence of it is we're craving that internal pleasure, which is sometimes external can stimulate and support. Absolutely. And I think it's that bigger question of like, where is what, what's our relationship with pleasure? Where is what, what, what are the kind of shame points with the word pleasure in me? Like, mm-hmm. do I feel shame about pleasure? And really having that discussion and figuring out, because I think you need to define your baseline where you're at with that, because this doesn't matter what's going on in your life or what your definition, if you don't know what pleasure means to you or your baseline and then you can be like well like I want to change this like you know maybe it's like I've realized I have a messed up relationship with pleasure so I I want to be able to change that so I think it's it's going deeper down that 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 rabbit hole of like you know you've identified maybe what your stigmas are you figured out Mm. what you maybe want like Amy said about being intentional and then figuring out where my safety lies in that like how mm, I, and the boundaries I need to put in place you know with myself and with other people which is hard I mean you mm. and I have talked about this over the years like you know and I think as well like if people feel they've had I want to say rubbish because we don't want to like shame anyone but mm. not so great experiences or maybe and and you know women can have multiple experiences at, at, you know as can men but mm. um multiple experiences of that like redefining that and reclaiming and knowing that you can always take your power back here like there's never it's never like like amy has this message really strongly it's never too late to start it's never too Mm. late say you feel you've been totally disconnected your entire life from this like it is never too late to jump on this journey it is you can change your mind at any moment you don't have to stay on the same path that you've been on forever yeah reclaim your pleasure at any moment and like start reclaiming yourself with that and empower yourself and and start to understand your body and also I guess like I know you've experienced this like I think it's people's relationships with their body image as well like that's Mm -hmm. a huge impact on people and you look at coming back to stigma and disability like people with disability a lot of the time like the way people view you is not 
sexy in any shape or form. And I think a lot of people have then the body image issues because they can't always maybe move their body so much. Like there's so much impact of this tied in mm-hmm. with that as well. So I think it's I think people- because we live in such a superficial society as well that presents sex to the world. Yeah. In a very superficial way, you know, we see it on music videos, we see it in marketing and magazines and things like that. And that sex has a look, right? In society's eyes, sex has a look. Sex doesn't have a fucking look. You know, sex is an inner journey. It's like, yes, we are stimulated by the physical for sure, but the actual essence of sexual energy is an internal experience. So, um, it's just un- it's unfortunate and something we have to work on recognizing is that sexual energy is something within us that that can transform within us. And I guess mm. that's how the journey of tantra is so powerful. Um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, um, I just have one more question for you, Han, and it is what is your favorite pleasure practices at the moment of any kind? And what would you recommend to anyone else who maybe are navigating physical limitations, things like that? Well, I think it's obviously fine knowing what your limits are and like figuring from that space because everybody's going to be different, pain, like all the things mm. that are kind of going to come with it. I think embodiment practices are the key. So mm-hmm. if you can even like, you know, depending on how you can move your body, whether it's sitting, like, I guess it's people touching themselves, connecting with themselves, even if it's just like touching their skin, their arm, like, I know you would like do this, like connecting back with your body and yourself. Like, and I feel like these are such basic things, but such mm-hmm. key important things. Obviously, as you know, I've been a yoni egg girl for years. Yeah. As I joke to Amy when I'm at her. I was doing this for years. <laughs> I was doing this for years. I was putting things up, crystal eggs up there that weren't designed for that. Before. <laughs> been, like, I mean, remember the giant one I was telling you about? When, this is a funny story. When I got into practicing with a yoni egg and I started like working with yoni eggs, I was like, oh, I'm learning about yoni eggs and hand pulled up this huge egg crystal I'm like babe that is way too fucking big for your yoni and she's like what I've been practicing with it it was so cute <laughs> yeah I've got the normal but yeah I mean when I made that and I got one stuck up there once even because I just like froze and I mean it was just like I had to rebirth the the, the yoni egg like well, it's good good practice for the childbirth situation yeah. for any of you out there but yeah the vagina is very um very adaptable though yeah and I think as well like the biggest when you say about practices I think it's this continual relationship and I think I've always had this commitment to it of being connected to your your whatever you want to call them because you know we live in a world now where I think there's people have having deeper and bigger discussions but I'm going to call it the, the the pussy you know for first safe measure here but like really making sure that if I start feeling disconnected, I'll reconnect back there. Like mm. it, it, embodiment practices and embrace work is powerful, isn't it? Like really connect to that area. Like, and I feel like let's say you even have a lot of limitations, like mm-hmm. connecting beginning in your mind as well. Like, what does that feeling look like in your mind and bringing so you've got it in your mind what do you want those feelings to look like and then bringing them feelings into your body like how does that want to feel in my body like and exploring and playing with those sexual 
feeling. Yeah, and, and that um, kundalini, that sexual energy, bringing that up into your higher chakras, I think is so powerful for people who are seriously limited, you know, like who maybe have very little movement. I yes. swear that's the key is that kundalini, that breathwork movement, because people energetically I, orgasm, right? People in. Yeah, and I so think it's like it's everybody figuring out their path and way yes. and and figuring out those that 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 big question to always ask yourself like check in with what that pleasure means you check in with your check in with your your society conditioning unpack those stories check you know what what are the shame points that are coming up and if you have stories around things where did those stories come from like they're the kind of key things to begin with and if you don't feel you can address and obviously like you know if you do I think the key to success is if you do have serious sexual trauma if you have the capacity and you know neither of us and we appreciate people don't always have even beyond money like finding services people to talk to like Mm -hmm. making sure don't stay hidden with those things and you kind of find ways that are, you feel safe enough to be able to address them that can be a real key to success as well yeah there's real power in facing your most inner dark um fear-filled stories and not the stories but experiences you know when you face them even though you're terrified of verbalizing them out loud when you truly just yeah. embrace and accept them, there's this real power and, and healing in that. So I totally agree. So much. And in the words of Marvin Gaye, sexual healing. Like Oh yes, baby. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's a key to success. And you know, never, never underestimate, never think it's too late to start. Like, I think that's a big thing. And I know AIM would agree with that. And that's why she's doing what she's doing, the education. So, and you don't want to say like education, but we're both, we are like spirit animal. Let's be honest, AIM, our spirit animal is the sex education mum. Oh yeah, we, we're totally gene of sex education. Oh, together. The powerhouse. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> well it's been so good talking to you today and I you know I love our chats but how can people connect with you how can they follow you how can they listen to your podcast and check out your blog oh my god so you can uh, find me at www.hannah-wallace.com um, and that's where the blog podcast it's all linked there and I've even got links through the website to Spotify iTunes obviously podcast is finding grace and there is going to be a lot more stuff to come in the future instagram mm-hmm. at the hannah wallace and also i do have a facebook page for anybody that's old school and does do the facebook life as well yeah and you have a tiktok too right which is the same I mean, TikTok, but i mean i'm not like my hero idol aiming here <laughs> shut up <laughs> shut it anyway that's beautiful hand and um yeah i love I love you so much. And thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you for coming on. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Cosmic Pleasure Podcast today, babes. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you would support my message mission by subscribing and reviewing my podcast. 
If you would like to follow my work, you can find me on social media at I am Amy D. Or you can check out my website, amydintuitive.com. I hope to connect with you soon and send you so much love.